Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Cine-ish podcast right here on TBR Media. My name is Jared, your host for the day, and we've got so much news to talk about. We're also going to be diving into our Marvels review later in the show. Uh, Me and Ren will be talking about it and reviewing it in its entirety, along with a broader conversation of where the MCU was and where it could potentially be going. So stay tuned for all of that. We're also going to give you the latest in the box office news. So uh, we're going to project the weekend. Is the Marvels actually going to do anything? Uh, Because it was tracking lower than The Flash even, or Black Adam. So there's a whole lot to talk about. Uh, We can't wait to get into all of it. So stay tuned for that. And without further ado, let's get into the box office. After a lull in major studio releases during November's first frame, the month begins to gain some momentum with the release of Marvel Studios' 33rd cinematic chapter and a new face-based offering from Sony. So, the Marvel, its opening weekend range right now is between 35 to 49 million, which is a massive disappointment for Marvel Studios, as the film's production budget ballooned to over $200 million, according to some rumors. As far as a franchise consistency goes, Marvel remains unsurpassed in terms of widespread brand awareness established by the studio over the last 15 years. Uh, The slow autumn market could create some pent-up demand for escapism among audiences beyond loyal Marvel fans. Internet rumors hyping this film's uh, post-credit scene up could also help lure in some straggling moviegoers who may be on the fence. Um, Veterans Day, observed on Friday, could slightly skew the typical front-loaded nature of MCU films, especially with less urgency driving interest in this sequel than recent films in the overall franchise. Uh, Some cons, you know, Marvel's goodwill has unfortunately sourced over the past couple of years due to middling uh, word-of-mouth across multiple films and overall exposure of the IP. Ongoing industry labor strikes have prevented Brie Larson and the cast from promoting the film, although, you know, the sag after a strike has officially ended. And now we're moving on to the production side of things where actors are going to actually be able to stump alongside their post-production counterparts to help boost the box office performance of the films. Thursday pre-sales currently reflect these inherent and broader franchise challenges. As the Marvel lags, 71% behind Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and 74% behind Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. The three-day weekend forecast has the Marvels in the $35 to $40 million range at number one. At number two, projected by Box Office Pro, is Universal and Blumhouse's Five Nights at Freddy's in the second spot. In third, you still have the Eras Tour holding strong. Four is projected to be Killers of the Flower Moon. And then five is the new Sony faith-based movie, Journey to Bethlehem. And that concludes your box office projection. And now we're going to get into some news. So after 118 days of the Actors Guild being out on strike, SAG-AFTRA and the studios on Wednesday reached a tentative three-year deal on a new contract that could see Hollywood up and running again within a few weeks. The strike will be over 
as of 12.01 a.m. on Thursday, November 9th, putting an end to the more than seven months of labor unrest in Hollywood that saw the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild hit the picket lines in the industry's first joint strike in more than 60 years. Specific details of the deal in particular are expected to be revealed when the agreement goes to the board on Friday. Fran Drescher and Duncan Crabtree Ireland uh, SAG-AFTRA leadership said this was, quote, a negotiation for the future. Worth more than $1 billion over the next three years, the agreement has an extraordinary scope and is, quote, full of unprecedented provisions, according to the SAG-AFTRA leadership. And for those of you that have been following TBR Media for a few years, know that we, during 2020, when COVID was at its peak, uh, were invited to the Nightstream Film Festival as official verified press. Nightstream hasn't really been a thing since COVID. It it did another virtual festival the following year in 2021. Um, But now it's getting a basically a reanimated package as a transactional video on demand hub. The relaunch is being steered by the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival in association with Boston Underground and the Overlook Film Festival. The first Nightstream exclusive title is Summoners. Summoners, whose cast features long-established indie film figures, uh, world premiered at last year's Brooklyn Horror Festival. Per its official logline, the film centers on a former witch who was plunged back into the world of witchcraft far more dangerous than ever before. And Nightstream was launched on Halloween Day, and the platform will feature more than 30 titles from indie distributors like Oscilloscope, Dark Star, Dark Sky, Utopia, and Yellow Veil Pictures. And we've got a couple announcements coming out of Warner Brothers, specifically on HBO. Euphoria Season 3 has been confirmed for 2025 by HBO. Um, And also House of the Dragon Season 2 is set to premiere in early summer 2024. And this was published back at the beginning of the month, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But we wanted to update you on Disney buying Hulu from Comcast, uh, the remaining Hulu stake. Uh, Obviously, Disney owned uh, two-thirds of Hulu, and Comcast held the other one-third. But Disney is expected to move to buy the remaining Hulu stake from Comcast. Disney expects to pay Comcast and NBC Universal about $8.61 billion to buy December 1st, reflecting the guaranteed minimum value of $27.5 billion for the streaming service the two sides agreed upon in 2019. That deal sprang from Disney's purchase of Fox Entertainment assets, which gave it two-thirds of Hulu. Disney could pay more based on Hulu's equity value as of September 30th. The appraisal process should wrap up sometime next year. But Disney already sells Hulu as part of its streaming bundle with Disney Plus and ESPN products, so this should be no different. And there is a lot of talk about how they are going to merge Disney Plus and Hulu's streaming apps together. And you'll have some new things to watch over the weekend, so let's talk about what is new. So over on Netflix, you have David Fincher's latest thriller, The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender as an assassin, a longtime contract killer who's grown increasingly cynical about his employment. Uh, So that sounds fun. You also have The Crown Season 6 Part 1 over on Netflix. Um, I can't wait for this show to be over, <laughs> not because it's bad in any way, but every time at the Emmys, I'm just like, okay, give the crown all of its achievements and, you know, we just need some new blood for TV awards. Um, but the crown, 
Season 6, Part 1, sees the return of Queen Elizabeth II, and the whole entire cast is phenomenal, so I really do hope that you are able to check that out. On our YouTube channel, we live stream soon-ish episodes so that we can interact with you, the viewer, as we make our show. You'll also find video essays, reviews, and trailer reactions for all your favorite properties. We offer different perks exclusively to our YouTube members. Whether you're looking to join the TBR Cinema Club Discord server, gain custom member badges and emotes, get early access to our videos, and exclusive member-only content, or get producer credits on our videos and podcasts, there's something for everyone on our YouTube membership. To find us, simply search at The Borough Media on YouTube or type in TBR Media in your search bar. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a like and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications when we upload or go live. TBR Media is your movie refuge. Hello everyone, I'm Ren, your favorite gal, and I've hijacked the podcast for just a few minutes of your time because we just saw The Marvels. Directed by who, Jared? Directed by who? Nia DaCosta. I knew what she looked like, but not mm. her name. Um, couldn't visualize it in my head, like the name. The last thing that we saw from Nia DaCosta was Candyman in 2021. Don't say that name in this house. I'm not going to say it more than once. Uh, but that was the last thing. That... I did not see that movie um, because I am traumatized. <laughs> yeah makes sense <laughs> and honestly the remake was low-key kind of scarier that's so. what i've heard um the black community basically said if you're afraid of things just don't and i was like i'm afraid of things so i will just not yeah uh so nia DaCosta is kind of with the marvels this is the last hoorah of the bob chapek era of marvel so it's finally over yeah so quick rundown basically it used to be kevin feige's baby marvel i mean marvel studios he oversaw every project individually bob chapek came in they expanded disney plus streaming content they expanded their theatrical window for their movies each year and he basically installed a bunch of different middle managers in between uh, Kevin Feige and actually working, you know, solely on Marvel properties. Which kind of makes sense why everything went to shit because he said, let's oversaturate and not quality control. Yeah. And so this is kind of the last hoorah of them, I guess, being in their own lane that hoorah. really feels disconnected from the Infinity Saga as a whole. Um I mean, obviously, the characters are mostly the same, and everything's written pretty much the same. The difference is the vision for how they were involving these filmmakers, these really, really high-level filmmakers, such as Chloe Zhao, such as Nia DaCosta, uh, such, such as, as Sam, Sam Raimi. You, you have all of these different uh, really really wonderful directors in their own lanes, respectively. Uh, and you were bringing in a bunch of creatives to try and, you know, play in the sandbox that is the MCU. And largely it has not worked. <laughs> I think it would have and, been really cool um, with the different TV shows that they were doing to wrap up the Infinity Saga and set up the multiverse to involve these different, um, like these different 
they're not our tour directors, but yeah, they are. Actually, okay. actually, all of them are. Um, oh my gosh! Because they basically, you're, you're the definition of being an art tour filmmaker is is like you have a certain lane that you're in a niche, if a you niche will. within the broader film. So they're not the Russo brothers. They are. They work in kind of a, a different sort of set of standards. We should say for filmmaking it doesn't make them better or worse it just makes them different and unique okay cool um Um, i'd also like to say i wasn't trying to insult these filmmakers i simply do not know film words it's the same i don't know politic words political words so i've been dabbling in my vocabulary guys and i've been doing pretty good about to graduate the school of jared yeah true the charles institute uh (laughs) but uh anyway so like yeah, you have all these unique filmmakers tackling all of these uh, really cool stories that, in theory, like on paper, you know, you you tell me the idea of the Eternals, you tell me the idea of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and I'm like, that sounds incredible, like on paper. The, the problem has been largely that we've shifted so far away from what made the original Avengers so special and so iconic. Um, and... Largely, that's that's due to so many character additions and so many different storylines concurrently between Disney Plus shows and between the mainline movies. If we're looking at this, like even just comparing it to the Infinity Saga, at this point, we should have had an Avengers movie already. Right. Like we are we are way past the point. Like I'm like, I think we did. Um, obviously I've watched them recently. Like we did the Iron Man, we did the Captain America. I think we did two other movies. It was like four movies and then the vendors. Right. Uh, you, yeah, certainly. I think they don't have a guiding force right now. I think that there's no, there's no stars. And I don't mean that I'm a star. Right. And I don't mean <laughs> that the actors or that any of the characters aren't the star writing. material. The writing surrounds them does not, does not. I would argue that the only two that they've given a lot of push for is Stephen Strange and Peter Parker. Those are the two that are kind of at the forefront with how they were written to be so influential in this universe. We don't really have more than that. And it's how long have we had since Endgame 2019? Like this has been several years of just kind of we do have to take into effect a global pandemic yes right um as well as we should like just but they released all these really fun tv shows we got the black widow to introduce these new characters and i feel like i mean like we have watched at least seen an episode or two of almost all the shows um and i feel like We've talked about this before. The quality after WandaVision and like um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier just went to shit. It did. It did. Um, And it's just, I think it comes down to they haven't really had, and let me use my film words, put on my film goggles. I'm I'm the critic now. They haven't had someone to steer the ship, to captain the ship, will you, if you will, a leader. We haven't been working towards this end goal. And I think you have to think of um, the different press that's going around, stuff like that. There's so many different things happening in the real world that's affecting the movie world. We had strikes happen. Probably a good thing the strikes happened because they were able to slow stuff down even more. Yeah, they were able to cost cut a lot. Of, like that was this that was the main story. You know, when when the dual strikes were occurring, like we, we were in dead heat dual strike uh, territory. 
they were able to slow down production. Mm -hmm. They were able to really evaluate where their money was going. And for a while, they were actually saving a ton of money from the strikes. It just became at a certain point unproductive. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're, you're right. There's a lot of different factors. And so then we get the, the last release that we had was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Top uh, which was really, really fucking good. Like <laughs> it, it, it was, it was probably, um, it's my favorite of this new um, saga. Oh, it's not even close. I will say, okay, and this is like just me because, and maybe Wakanda Forever is in the new saga. Absolutely adore what they did with that. But obviously after, you know, a loss. They, they did, had a circumstance. Yeah, to, they had a circumstance. Yeah. But even the original, the original plot of the, what was the original plot of the movie? Um, Sorry, sorry. I speak in meme. Um, but even like that was an, an incredible story to me. And I was mm -hmm. really excited about that. Regardless of that fact, um, I lost my train of thought. There we go. I got it, found it, caught it. I think after Gardens of the Galaxy, um, Shang-Chi was really the movie that got me excited about this. I was like, oh. Well, it was new still. It was, like, it we... was new, and it also had that, like we talked about, it, the soundtrack was so reminiscent, and it had that energy that the Black community got when Black Panther came out. That Everyone was like, I kind of fuck with this, like... This is kind of it. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but I just did. I did. Okay, so. cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're well into the show at this point. So if the algorithm is picking us up on, on this part, then we've got bigger problems. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, but overall, like, I mean, let's be real. Did you like the Marvels? Did you? So the Marvels is really interesting because it's a culmination of three different character story beats. You have obviously carol danvers uh where has Ooh. she been since endgame uh that's a whole thing you also have the reintroduction of kamala khan from miss marvel uh which was kind of divided from what i've seen a lot of people that i follow really like miss marvel but like it seems like the audience itself the general audience does not like miss marvel the show i'm talking about as much as the critics that i follow However, I never watched it. So. Then, then you also had the reintroduction of Monica Rambeau from WandaVision, and <sighs> uh, and obviously with Carol Danvers' past with with the Rambeau family, you were go you were go going to have to bridge that story somehow. And so I was that was what was driving me to see this movie was how are they going to treat the relationship between Carol Danvers and Monica Rambeau uh, after her mom's passing during the blip. That whole storyline is largely brushed to the side in this. and But it, it's not brushed to the side as in they don't acknowledge it. They acknowledge it several times in the movie. I think the problem here, this is the shortest runtime of any MCU movie up to this point. I would say personally, I think... And I'm going to say it. I think it was really well paced. I actually really liked it overall. And you, I literally... 20 minutes before the movie was starting, I was like, do we actually have to go? Because I could stay home. Um, obviously, I'm not at home. Is that real? What? Is that a couple? That's the villain. Yeah, it must be. Which that's kind of funny. That's iconic. Sorry, um, I just saw um, it says Hollywood Power Couples to Explore, and it's showing the villain from the Marvels and um, Tom Hiddleston, a.k.a. Loki. Incredible. That's fantastic for me. Anyways, I just think it had, I think it could have used maybe another 15 to 30 minutes. 
I, which is something I never thought I would ever say about a Marvel movie in my, like, you know, the runtime of Quantumania, that shit was like fucking 20 years. I'm always under the. Take like 15, 20 minutes from Quantumania (laughs) and and throw it it on this movie. I think, I think every movie has a right to its own runtime. Killers of the Flower Moon needed that three and a half hour runtime. There are certain things that that needed a freaking intermission. There are really good movies that do a lot in 90 minutes. And there are really good movies that do a lot three plus hours in you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. so it's all dependent on the material that you're working off of uh i think they could have used a little bit more here to just kind of really let us simmer in those really intense storylines because that was the problem the the pacing is so breakneck um if you don't know the plot of the marvels basically these three characters monica rambo kamala khan and carol danvers get their powers entangled um, and so they're they're trying to work together to figure out how to navigate because every time one of them uses their power, they at swap the places time. at the same time. They swap places. Um, so obviously when you're teaming up with a bunch of people that you're basically swapping places with in space time, like that's uh, going to create some problems. And they do some really fun things, I would say, in terms of like situationally. Um, there's a lot of, uh, what would you call that body humor here where like, it's, it's all about it's slapstick, it's slapstick comedy basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they do a lot of that in this movie. It has kind of a lighthearted tone to it, which I really did like, but overall you really like it. My feeling on it is it's half baked. Um, there are some really, really cool things within it and Mm -hmm. things that I liked to see. Um, but overall, again, this was another another movie that felt pointless in the broader in the broad scheme of everything it really did and i respect your opinion from one film critic to another but maybe if i could see where they were going if i could hindsight's 2020 it is 2020 however we talked about this with quantumania there is a certain point that you reach i can say that for a couple few movies Mm mm-hmm after we've had X amount of shows and after we've had X amount of movies and we still have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But to be said, and this is a critique towards the Infinity Saga, which I think should be untouched because um, it's beautiful. You could have probably thrown in some of those shows just like because in the timeline they were in between Infinity Saga and Endgame. Simmer down. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you could have sh- thrown those shows in between then so that we would have had more time to sit. Yeah. Like Black Widow should have came out after Infinity. Uh, game honestly, War. It, it should have been before. Low key. <laughs> if we're all, if we, yeah, really. <laughs> like it, Maybe it should have been after the first Avengers movie, probably. Um, I, think, I would have I loved they, to have that context I earlier I think they would have. Oh, yeah. I think everyone would have. Uh, I think, yeah, you you have it right after the Avengers because you, you want to keep your pace to where we get to the fun stuff, which was the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, but, like, we still are building after. And especially after Captain America Civil War. Oh, or not wow. Civil War. Um, Winter Soldier. Win- Winter Soldier, yes. That would have been a perfect placement for Black Widow because she really took the reins in that movie particularly. And that would have kind of recontextualized how we viewed her before that. Anyway... Is there anything that you were saying about the Infinity Saga? I was trying to think. I'm trying to think. WandaVision couldn't have happened until after Endgame because that's when it took place in timeline. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier also, also took had to, place. Yeah. Okay, so technically they are right. So Sorry, I'm being we, a hater. We could have had. We could have had WandaVision. We could have had Cap 
and the Winter Soldier. We could have had Loki, even that that's still fine. But at, and then we could have maybe had Shang Chi, the Eternals. But at that point, at that specific point, after we've had all of that, it's time to like button down on what we're actually but doing. Like what they're doing, like, and we talked about it. Um, example: Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness should have been an Avengers movie. And I will. It should have. I yeah. will stand on this horse. You guys can slander or it me. Or should have been the lead up too. Yeah, you guys can slander me for as long as you want. Whatever you want to say, call me a stupid woman, and I should stay out of Marvel. I'm ready for it because I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> Hot takes. <laughs> Hot takes. You're on the wrong show. <laughs> this is Cine-ish. Cine-ish. It's ish. It's ish. This is my ish. Anyways, I like the Marvels overall. I in the reason in the problem that i probably like it is because i walked in and i mean no slander. your bar was on the floor yeah the bar was on the floor like it was negative so anything above negative and i was like i cried a few times i felt i was there i could have been there more though there were a there were a lot of beautiful moments that i saw like um and i won't say any spoilers but you know what i'm talking about when they had the things on Mm -hmm. you'll know what i'm talking about once you see it but that those moments if we would have slowed it down just a little bit more spent a little bit more time in it i would have i i would have felt that even more like even more like just afterwards just sit in that a silent moment they didn't marvel has problems sometimes sitting in silence i think uh key point of when they were able to sit in silence wandavision a lot of moments of silence um infinity endgame um at the funeral even infinity war infinity war they were comfortable in that silence and i think that's something marvel needs to get comfortable in again is sitting in that silence and allowing us as the viewers to be just as immersed in that shock and grief because what they're trying to do is fixate these movies towards adhd girlies and i'm an adhd girly that's what it feels like this feels like if i made a movie and i didn't let you sit in it or just kids i mean it's just very kid friendly there's always something going on there's always something but but there's something to be said about the direction that this is going in which is which with echo and daredevil uh and blade now i'm very excited they it feels like they had a realization they're like we can do both like and we should be doing both we need to be giving adults you know a good amount of time a proper time because they're they're trying you want to hit all all demographics so the best way to do that is to diversify what you're making i work in sales so like yeah this is literally this is literally like what what we do i mean like you've seen me and my boss we are both two very different generations so we hit multiple different markets which works so well for us if you're a fan of all things entertainment consider checking out our website You'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, and even more content covering all things related to film culture. Our site has been active since 2018, beginning with our mission to amplify independent voices in our very own home state of Nebraska. As months and years passed, it was evident that there were creative communities from all across the world that lacked access to press opportunities for their projects. We wanted to expand coverage for filmmakers on all levels and etch guiding marks on the global indie community. Through your partnership and submissions, we can make this a sustainable reality for thousands of filmmakers. Whether you're looking for an interview opportunity or a review of your latest project, we have you covered. Simply search www.theboroughmedia.com in your web browser and head over to our contact page to sign up for a free TBR Media account. Afterwards, 
you'll get access to exclusive membership options in our shop for one-time review commissions on short and feature films. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines. We can't wait to build a thriving indie community with you. PBR Media is your movie refuge. Again, I like I like the Marvels when I'm looking at it and I'm thinking because I'm a Marvel girly. Jared is not a Marvel girly, so let's clarify that first. I'm not. I am the Marvel girly here. So when I'm thinking big picture, this is the first movie that I'm seeing where they're going and I'm going, yeah, yeah, I could be on board with this. And a lot of people are saying that about like Loki season two, that like people are like, I'm kind of getting the multiverse. I kind of like where we're going. And I'm like, yeah. I'm really ready for who's the who's the guy Bob Bob Iger Bob Odenkirk the other Bob, one what which Bob the what? new Bob the old Bob that came back and is now the new Bob I don't know what you're talking about is Bob Iger the first one that did Marvel that was the head of Disney and mm. almost ran for president yeah Bob Iger yes correct me Bob Odenkirk whoever better call Saul um anyway I really I really am like I'm trusting in Bob Iger to just fix it. Kind of like James Gunn is fixing DC. I'm trusting that he's like, he's about to be like, all right, and this is done. And we're about to wrap up the multiverse with a fucking fine tooth little bow and put it in the closet and hide it forever. And we're going to pretend that didn't happen. And um, and we're going to cry. And then I'm ready for, and everyone's going to hate me. I'm ready for a phone call to the Verso brothers. I'm ready. I'm ready for a little phone call, a little chatty chat. I'm also ready, and it's not going to happen, but I would accept a phone call to my mans, the one and only, who I also didn't like, because he seems like a mean boy, to be honest. He doesn't seem nice. Um, James Gunn. We could just make a phone call. I understand he's headed to DC. He likely won't do that. It's probably a breach of contract at some point. Well, no, they've had, they've had talks. The- they, James Gunn confirmed that they've in passing talked about doing some sort of huge crossover event but they've both got to fix their no, respective problems uh, no i they don't need to do a crossover i think oh. we need to ask james gunn to just maybe sit in on a meeting maybe oh maybe, yeah that will not happen. yeah that's a breach of contract <laughs> it's fine but in my universe in my multiverse james gunn comes and works on the next um spider-man yeah i think um <laughs> i think the marvels is good i think it loses its battle in the script, and Nia DaCosta did work on the script with two other writers. Um, I think it lost its battle in the in the actual script, and I think it lost its battle in the editing. Because mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit before recording, the Marvels feels messy, but it's not like an intense messy. It's a clean, neat messy. It's the kind of messy where you're throwing shit under your bed to hide from your guests that are coming over to your house. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there the mess exists and it's there, but it's just kind of hidden a little bit. Yeah. And that's definitely. how and that's how I would feel about the Marvels. It's not a bad movie. It's infinitely better than Thor Love and Thunder, which I cannot fucking stand to save my life. Um but like this is still like not peak Marvel. Mm-hmm. But I think if you liked the characters, I think if you liked Miss Marvel, I think if you liked WandaVision and Monica Rambeau specifically, this is a good one. Uh, we need to talk about Darben real quick yeah. before we move on to what uh, I want to move on yes. to. <laughs> um, and I think Zawe Ashton did a relatively good job 
there's n- no material there to work with. You know there's no writing material me of, there. And I'm going to say this, and y'all can fight me. Um, Off-brand Thor sister. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Like, even just her her makeup, her costuming, it's giving that, like, vibe. Yeah. Uh, sh- there's no good writing material for her to work off of. So, unfortunately, she doesn't even feel like a second-tier villain. She feels, like, almost not... A- she feels more like an annoyance than, like, an actual villain. Y'all remember, like, when um, Jamie Foxx is a villain in Spider-Man? Right. It's like that. It's like that. <laughs> and it's, like... But it's worse than that, actually. Because, like, at least then he was... They, they had kind of written it to be a little bit formidable here. It's like, the only reason we can't take you down is because we keep switching places in space-time. Also, like, <laughs> in what's pissing me off, and I'm going to just say this, and it's not a spoiler, but, like, did we not learn anything from Thanos? Cut the head off. Cut, cut an arm off. Cut, cut off limbs. Why are we just trying to punch people and knock them out? Just yeah. cut off limbs. You guys are so stupid. That shit was pissing me off. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the main problem. Also, you didn't watch Secret Invasion. I watched Secret Invasion. Tonally, Secret seeing seeing Nick Fury in Secret Invasion and then seeing him here, it's like night and day. Like, there, there is no consistency there. And it's kind of shocking to me, actually, that, like, Secret Invasion didn't even come out, what, six months ago? Not even? Like, four months ago. And and here we are at the Marvels, and the character does not feel like he was written in Secret Invasion in the slightest. And so, like... Granted, you could say that about Nick Fury overall throughout Marvel. Yeah, I feel true. He is, a, and he is the definition of a code switcher. My dude is simply, um, has been through way too much shit, that he is simply who he needs to be in the moment. And after that, he says, he said, <laughs> love it, leave it alone. Yeah, but one of the, one of the, better parts of secret invasion was watching his character i mean he was always kind of grizzled but like really secret invasion doubled down on that grizzled nature of nick fury i don't he still had he still had the jokes he still had the the like the riz i was thinking the same word um but like (laughs) but it's it it, this feels much different than that and like so i'm like there's got to be a through line here you guys like this is the problem that we're running into absolutely now jared Um, i need to prompt you with a question Mm -hmm. if you were to name one person that carried this movie who who would it be i think i think i think you know we're almost in agreement like you know it's called the Marvels. Who is the first Marvel we met? You know, Captain Marvel. I'm I'm ready for the heavy hitter that is a Brie fucking Larson. And and who who was it? I, I'm just curious. Was it was was that was that what you were? Is that, <laughs> did, did I did I think that Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, our Lord and Savior, carried the <laughs> carried the whole movie? Yeah. No, I don't. I think Mon Valani did. Um, as obviously as Kamala Khan. Carried the entire movie. And again, we keep coming back to this thing recently that's been kind of this trend in superhero, you know, fair. And it's coming back to the family. We saw it in Guardians. We saw it in Miss Marvel. We saw it here. We've seen it in uh, Blue Beetle. Like, these are very... You could even say we saw it in um, Spider-Man Far From No Way Home. A little bit, to a lesser extent. Um, I, uh, the family unit, though, like, is... You thought... I'm talking about, like, like an actual... F- I'm not talking about just, like... You're talking like, about a nuclear family. Not quite, but almost. I'm talking about more of a full-fledged family that, like, 
aren't involved with anything like in blue beetle or yeah. like in or like here you know yeah with with kamala khan's family and uh she carried it you you agree i agree she carried I, it I, if you say otherwise then you're lost uh, i really think um tiana really did a incredible job um yeah with monica rambo they always write her as a secondary character though and it's because it's stopping she me is what jared because she is what well Brown. she well she's also she was a secondary character she's, uh, no but she like is, i feel like they talked about it in wandavision she is the comedic relief that is a trope of black women when they are put in these movies especially sidelining a main character that is a white woman we are written as lightly comic relief now she wasn't as much comic relief as um like kamala khan's character is um but like again she wasn't given like it was there like it was there they had the material to go there but they didn't like and they they just she you could have given her more you could have given her more depth and you didn't allow her to do that and that's just what's so frustrating is i'm like and i'm gonna say this because i can especially knowing that a black woman directed this we could have put more depth in this black woman character and we didn't and that's a little disappointing now it's not the worst ending. I mean, like, we could have done way worse and we didn't fall into the typical stereotype, but we could have done way more. Now I understand within the Marvel confines, like, it's fucking Captain Marvel and, like, Brie Larson is... I think Brie Larson's checked out. Brie Larson is... Uh, <laughs> Brie Larson's been checked out since she got on set. Yeah, yeah. And I feel, I feel, I do feel a little bad for her because she got reamed to the edge of the earth. Um, Why do you feel bad for her? Because, like... She got reamed because she was fucking rude to people on set. Yeah, I get that. But it was before that. It was the casting. It was, like, you remember how post-2016 was. Yeah, I do, actually. And, like... I was a woman. And, th and that was that was part of it. Yeah. There was politics bleeding over into media. And, uh, you know, people were mean and ruthless, as everyone is on the internet. Yeah. But, but I just... I don't put these people up on pedestals like uh, like other people. They are cough, cough, at the camp. end of the day. <laughs> they are at the end of the day like just human beings and so even when they even when I don't necessarily care for the person and they're getting dragged through fucking hell uh just because they were cast in something um that still tears people down yeah, no matter who you yeah are. i mean like we are people we're so all people with feelings I, I gotta imagine and then i think back to that that red carpet interview that she gave where they were asking her when she's coming back and she said i don't know do they even want me back like obviously there there is some damage there she, they don't want her back because she was rude to people on set you don't come in as the new guy in class and then be rude to the ogs that's just not a good idea. And I understand she probably came off a little bit more like um, standoffish and people are going to be like, oh, because she's a woman and she's not overly friendly. Like, no, if you're rude to people, you're rude to people. Like saying that you're blunt is just an excuse for saying that you're rude. And I don't know, <laughs> the way that they write her character anymore ever since the first Captain Marvel has been m more so like uh, a comedic relief. She's yeah. like more ditzy and yeah. like and that's fine but like it just feels different than how she was originally written yeah and i don't and like so unfortunately the writing here has made it has made her a backseat character to kamala khan so going forward the marvel 
the main Marvel, I do believe, is Kamala Khan. And I think they stick with Kamala Khan. Yeah. Um, as they should. I mean, you know, Iman Vellani did incredible work and apparently did incredible work in Miss Marvel. I haven't seen Miss Marvel. Neither you have haven't I. seen Miss Marvel. Um, but maybe after watching this, I I might dabble. Yeah. Just because, like, I'm kind of curious. I, I really like her character. Um, it reminds me of me being, like, a kid and, like, that was – her bedroom was my ideal – um, I just, I wanted that. I wanted that a lot. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So, um, yeah, overall, just felt kind of pointless. We do get a little bit more context context as to what might be going on with the multiverse saga, uh, which I won't spoil. There is a mid-credit scene, no post-credit scene for those of you that care. I hope that for the love of goodness that the multiverse saga ends. We got all the way up until Secret Wars 2027, baby. We're in here for another four years. <laughs> oh, woof. Woof. There's a character that we need to talk about because woof. You ever had eye candy? You ever had eye candy in a in a Marvel movie? Now I understand. Yes, you have. But you ever had diverse eye candy that's not in the specifically diverse movies? Woof. Prince Yon. Woof. Now, yeah. I can't tell you too much about this character without getting into some spoilers and stuff, but let me tell you, when you see him, you're going to know. And when you know, you know. You know, like, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Yeah. If yeah. You, if you know, you know. So, overall, you like it. I think it's okay. I think it's middle of the pack. I don't think it's... After sitting here for a while, I don't like it as much as I did. I simply like it more. Um, I like it more because I'm like, ah, yes, a stepping stone. The, the, the crumbs, the breadcrumbs I was looking for. It's like that sliver of hope. But the fact is, I know these next couple of movies are going to make me want to like gouge my eyes out for a second. I don't think so. You have, you have uh, whatever Captain 4 is called, a new order something. Yeah. Anyway, you have, you have Captain America 4 and then you Excited. have Deadpool 3 Excited. back to back. So I think there is hope. <laughs> a new hope, if you will. I think there is. Um, and I think, you know, Deadpool is a great opportunity to just kind of wipe the slate clean with with everything, like in terms of, of tonally of that disjointed feeling. Mm -hmm. We just get to like step out of that for a minute and just exist in a fun movie yeah. for a little while, which is pretty good. This is what they tried to do with this movie didn't quite work mainly due to that's writing. really what i miss about the infinity saga is how good individual movies were yeah i mean yeah there is something to be said about the quality then and now but i think a lot of it too is we were just polluted with so much superhero content anymore between amazon what amazon's doing um also you know just just how how much we've gotten with dc and marvel can you imagine having and, kids and having to immerse them and by the way they all need Good, they both need good movies to bounce off of each other because when people start seeing bad shit out of DC and then they have one bad thing in Marvel, like it's like they've ruined the whole entire superhero like Absolutely. movie genre, yep. subgenre. And so like there is an argument to be made that both need to be successful in order to keep building um, audience. It's, it's but, not Marvel versus DC. It's Marvel and DC. Kind of. and But that's what gets me excited about james gunn at dc because he understands that and he has always been he's been on the record being like i want them to succeed i want them to like and you know kevin feige too they have a good working relationship and so building that bridge 
getting their respective ships under control. Especially after Blue Beetle. Like, I'm yeah. excited for DC after Blue Beetle. And they are keeping Blue Beetle going Thank forward. God. This isn't DC if, talk. But... If they would have yeeted that, I would have been sad. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, at, at the moment, Amazon and Prime Video are killing the superhero genre. They are just slaughtering Marvel and DC. And it's not even a competition. It's not even close. Like, And so they've got to find a way to... You know, and I will say that is for a more mature audience. That those are I, that, that those shows are for the adults. Like, yeah, I will say Netflix did a really good job. Granted, it was during the Infinity Saga era, yeah. um, with like you know they started Daredevil, Jessica Jones, all those fun things, and those were really well received. Even um, like Fox, like the Flash TV show, yeah. like just stuff like that. They they, had- they made a miscalculation with the Marvel TV shows. They thought that they. By a, you know, by basically doubling down on on their tone, that like everything would feel a little bit more consistent and everyone would love it a little bit more. Wrong. What you need again is diversity in your storytelling, mm-hmm. and so the tone of those shows vastly different from anything that we've seen in the MCU thus so far. So excited to have them included in the MC- well, not Jessica Jones, but you know, Daredevil stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. I wouldn't be too sure. They are doubling down on a lot. They they scrapped a good portion of the daredevil show to do reshoots and rewrite so it can be they have tv they've gone through i can't even how i can't even tell you how many directors and writers on blade uh poor marshall ali almost backed out of the project because he was getting tired of it he's probably like can Um, we just get this movie he's like i am not getting any younger and i'm not staying in any more shape with them doubling down on daredevil and on the tone of that we've just seen in the echo trailer uh I think there's a possibility now more than there ever has been that they retain Luke Cage and they retain Jessica Jones. Oh, I'd and be they, so excited. And they keep that kind of in their back pocket for later. Yeah, definitely. I'd be excited about that. Overall, now that we can finally say you should go see this in the movie theaters because we are officially out of strike era. It is a good day to be a film critic, to be a film enthusiast, to finally know that some stuff is going to start coming out and you can actually start promoting and talking about that without, like, feeling like a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and now, too, like, we get a little Marvel break. Loki is going to be done. I guess we have Echo in January. But, Mm -hmm. like, outside of that, like, the next big thing that we have is going to be Deadpool. And so... And Captain. Yeah, both in the summer. And so we can kind of just take a deep breath. And we can kind of just move on. I think Deadpool was actually delayed indefinitely without a date yet. They've shot a lot of it. That's so cool. it's not like they're They'll probably come it. back out with it now that the they'll start looking at it since, you know, the strikes are over. Oh, that was the problem is that the they strikes. and they were trying to power through once they caught wind. <gasps> oh, yeah. What? No, I this is not Marvel related. I just had a realization now oh, for myself yeah. um, that Wicked mm-hmm. is finally going to finish its reshoots, which mean it it might come out towards the end of next year yeah it, it definitely could if they've shot the they majority shot, of it they were just trying to do reshoots and they were trying it was like with a lot of extras because the production team was probably still working on it oh 100 so they were. they were talking about that you yeah. know they i mean yeah they can probably still make their release window oh, i am so excited sorry that was totally not marvel related guys but the strike is over and all is well and wherever you are in your multiverse, um, thanks for talking about Marvel with me for half an hour. Love you guys. Um, <laughs> thanks for letting me come steal Jared's podcast. And if you don't like me, well, you know, not everyone likes um, 
good things. Some of you have bad taste. You really struggled on that one. I know. I was okay. Listen, the problem was, and you need to cut this when I, after I say it. I was gonna say not everyone likes brownies, and then I was like, Ooh. I was like, I shouldn't say that. You said it, not me. <laughs> like, um, okay, Brendan Yuri, you said it, not me. Um, yeah, wherever you are in the multiverse, I hope you're in the same universe as. Peter Parker. You, you failed two times. Okay, I got it. A third time's a charm. Wherever you are in the multiverse, I hope you exist where cats do.